Welcome for a new episode of the Electric Podcast. I am Fred Lambert, your host, and as usual, I'm joined by Seth Winchow. How are you doing today, Seth? I'm good. I hope you are, because we have we had a huge news week, first week of the year. It comes with all the sales result, uh, delivery result, production result of the EV well. We're going to focus mainly on the U.S. market as we usually do, but we have a global story this week. We do have a global story on the who's now the biggest volume producer in the battery electric vehicle market globally a uh, bunch of other news so let's uh, jump right in but before that i just want to say a quick thank you to today's episode sponsors uh hopway a leading online online e-bike provider carrying the broadest selection of brand new and certified pre-owned models you can check that out at upway.co that's upway.co we're gonna have a little bit more to say about them later on the show stay tuned for that but uh, let, let's start with uh, with Tesla in the U.S. Obviously, still the leader by a wide margin in terms of uh, battery electric vehicles, but electric vehicles, period. Uh, we got the numbers earlier this week uh, came out. Tesla um, beat their own guidance. Well, obviously, Tesla doesn't give quarterly guidance, only give yearly guidance of uh, 1.8 million deliveries. They needed 476,000 deliveries to make that happen. They ended up at 484,000 deliveries. And the actual uh, guidance, like the expectation from Wall Street was 480,000. So Tesla beat expectation achieve its full year guidance and beat them by, by a little bit, like a few thousand units for on a 1.8 million. Doesn't change much, obviously, uh, but still an incredible performance by Tesla. 35% year over year growth. So it's not the 50% that Tesla guides on average, but we know that Tesla says that that's just the average and there's going to be years, it's going to be over, years it's going to be below. And this was expected to be a year below just because of uh, uh, kind of in the, uh, but the way that this does IR explained it, the thing is pretty good. It's like in between some growth period, just based on the lineup, like the all the current vehicle programs at Tesla are kind of optimized pretty much. There might be some room to grow a little bit, but for the most part, it's optimized. So now the Cybertruck helping it a little bit, but not too much yet. We need the next generation of vehicle, obviously, the so-called $25,000 Tesla and the RoboTaxi to enter another growth phase for Tesla. But still, in between growth phase, you get a 35% increase on on deliveries of such a big product like a vehicle. It's absolutely incredible performance by Tesla. Um, that's globally, obviously, but in the US, Tesla is the biggest automaker's uh, EV, EV producer by far. Now, the, the only thing that I kind of have a problem with Tesla with this disclosure is like, if you're watching right now live on YouTube uh, or wherever, you see, you basically see the entire report that Tesla released uh, for their Q3 and annual 2023 uh, production. And it's so limited. It's so, it lacks transparency in terms of all the models. Like Tesla bundles together the Model 3 and Model Y, which I know they are similar vehicle, but they're still like quite different. And, and we kind of would want to know exactly like, how big is Model Y compared to Model 3? Uh, is Model 3, like, how big of an impact the transition to Island had um, in the second half of last year? And so is there room to grow back with the Island now and the imminent launch in North America too? Like, it, it would be good to know the health of the programs, especially such big programs like that. Uh, so Tesla delivered 461,000 Model 3 and Model Y in uh, Q4 for a total of 1.739 million in uh, 2023. And then it bundles all the other models together. It just says other models right here. And that's that, that's starting to get real bad because now you only have, you don't even have model S and X, you have Tesla Semi and Cybertruck in there. So zero visibility on that front. Uh, Tesla disclosed delivering uh, 22,969 vehicles in Q3 in those other models category. So obviously that's mostly going to be Model S and X, but we would like to know like how, how it's been with the Cybertruck. Like, are we at a few hundreds? Are we at a few thousand? Like, where are we? We cannot know. Terrible wait for Tesla to operate in my, per, in my opinion and shows their lack of transparency. Um, and, uh, Big discrepancy in term of production. Why, why do you think they? Yeah, go ahead, Sid. Why do you think they do that? What, like, what's the uh, strat strategy there? Like, you think there's a competitive advantage to not? I mean, the only thing that makes sense, and I disagree with this argument, but I think that's it's where the why the, it's the why the reason why 
it's and and that's what Tesla fans are saying mostly because there, otherwise there's no reason not to do it. It's that Tesla doesn't want to give ammunition to the naysayers and the media that attacks Tesla all the time and like, look, uh, uh, Cybertruck's not doing well. They just delivered that amount. Or uh, look, S and X are going down, but like there's other reasons for that and you're not going to explain it. And I, and I get that, but at the end of the day, you have a responsibility with your investors. Like this, these these releases are for your investors, for, the, for Wall Street to just have a very good idea of like where – the health of the company and obviously the health of the vehicle programs are important and tesla is now openly hiding the health of the of all the vehicle programs really uh because model 3 model y bundled together also i don't think it's a good idea and they are basically the only automakers that does the only major automakers that do that like when i posted that like everyone like freaked out have you looked at rivian rivian still delivers like fifteen thousand cars a quarter like it's not it's not that big of a deal like they're obviously in a growth phase and you want you want them to boost their overall production capacity altogether i would prefer if rivian would be transparent between the r1t and r1s and the the van and all that but I get it when it's 15,000 total a quarter. It's not that big of a deal. Tesla, it's a much bigger deal. And um, all the other automakers, they have a way more detailed programs. I, I know people that gave the example of like all the Bolt EV and Bolt EUV are bunched together. All right. Like, okay. <laughs> uh, but like Ford, right. look, yeah. look at a, a Ford a report, for example, you have all the detail of every single model. You even have some trims at times, difference between trims. So um, when they are significant, so this is this is a lack of transparency from Tesla that I think they should they should fix. Uh, I would assume that when the Cybertruck is in a higher production, they would add it here. But at the same time, I assume that it would always the Model S and X will always be there, and they're not anymore. So and it went from worse. It went from Mall S and X separately being shown to Mall S and X being bundled together, even though they are widely different vehicles, uh, more different. I would say good and three and Y. And then you have uh, now they are even including the Cybertruck and Tesla Semi. It's ridiculous. Yeah, the Semi really seems like something that should be broken out. Like that's not even the same category of <laughs> not the same vehicle. buyers, I mean, that's not, a, like nothing alike. Yeah, and it's been in production for a year uh, at, that, at that point. <laughs> So it's Supposedly, a, it's a year don't even with know. zero transparency into the production ramp, which I know like the production ramp was always limited to that little facility in Nevada until they, they move it to the Gigafactory in Nevada. But still, I would like a little bit more transparency. So before we move yeah. to, uh, we have, we're going to discuss all like the Rivian numbers, the Ford numbers, the GM numbers, the Hyundai numbers, the BYD and all that. Uh, let, let's just go th- quickly through a few uh, Tesla news, uh, other Tesla news. So the big news today, obviously, everyone is talking about is the uh, range being adjusted on across the Tesla lineup. So a lot of questions about that. I think we can answer your questions on, on here with this. Uh, so the Mol S... Uh, Surprisingly, the Model S long range saw its range increase from 375 on the 21 inch wheels to 382 unchanged for the 19 inch wheels. Uh, everything else saw a range decrease. So the Plaid 19 inch uh, lost significant uh, uh, 30, almost 30 miles uh, of, of range, uh, 28 miles of range for the, on the 21 inches wheels. Mall X, similar situation. Uh, the 20 inch, the long range went from 48 to 35, 348 to 335 for the 20 inch wheel, 333 to 332. So that actually went up on maybe, maybe it's a 322 here and I made a mistake. I wouldn't be surprised if that's the case. I was like transcribing from the website, from Tesla's website at the same time. So it might be a mistake here. I would assume it's a mistake. Uh, Plaid. Uh, 333 to 326 on the 20 inch wheels. If you go with 22, it's 311 to 300. Uh, Model Y, obviously, much more popular vehicle, much more important. Uh, rear wheel drive went f- uh, stayed the same, so 360 to 42, depending on the wheel. But the long range, uh, 20 miles dropped to 310 for the 19 inch wheels, 20 inch wheels, 318 to 292, so big drop there. And the performance went from yep. 303 to 285. Yeah, anytime you're going from over 300 to 200 number, that's psychologically a kind of a big step. Yeah, you breeze, you you break that advertising benefit of uh, showing 300 miles or over. So, Mole three didn't get anything changed. So, what happened here? So, there was a rule change by the EPA. 
And the rule change, like in short, it's it's kind of complicated. It's it's not even a rule change. It's kind of a clarification of a rule because the EPA gives some leeway to the automakers to adjust things, adjust multiplier, and um, use like default driving mode instead of like like different driving mode, different a uh, creep mode, different old. And now they wanted to incorporate all of that into the uh, the actual range calculations. So now they have to use these different modes in part of the testing and then get uh, an average uh, of those, which makes a lot of sense. Um, so it's not like, because the range is not supposed to be perfect condition range, even though it's pretty close in terms of Tesla. Tesla, with that leeway, Tesla has been known to use that leeway a little bit more than other automakers have. Like um, our, our old friend Mark Gurman reached out on Twitter uh, when we posted that article and he was like, uh, is, is the rule change now Tesla has to be honest? And the, it's, it's, it's not a bad point, but the truth is like, it's not about being honest. It's about being conservative or more optimistic. And Tesla tends to hear on the sides of being super optimistic with its CPA range, while other automakers have been known to be a little bit more conservative. And the result is basically, it's like, yeah, you can call it honest or dishonest, but it's more like, do you want to advertise a higher range and then disappoint your customers at the end? Or do you want to be a little bit more conservative and make your customers like not be disappointed when they actually get like lower range or they, they get closer to the EPA range in this case? So this is more the case. And now basically the EPA, I Tighten a little bit its guidances uh, to leave a little bit less leeway at those automakers, uh, and uh, it results in range drops for Tesla. Obviously, now the Model Three is not in there, which is uh, interesting. So the EPA says that the new policy is applicable to new testing for 2024 model year and later vehicles. It may be applied to new testing for twenty twenty three model years. Vehicle retailers carry over data may continue to use data generated under previous policy for as long as the tests are valid. So I don't know how long the tests are valid exactly, but manufacturers will add a new configuration to a test group for 2024 and later must prevent, present new test results using this policy, but existing data can still be used if it is representative. So it does sound like Tesla just didn't submit anything for the Model 3. We suspect, or maybe you can say we hope, that it has to do with the launch in North America of the Island Model 3, uh, which we think is coming. And this week, we saw that Tesla was kind of um, sneakily testing the Model 3 Highland in the US, but we've seen that for a while, but we, we didn't like report on it too much because it was weird. They were they were all having like uh, Chinese badges on, on them. So we're like, all right, is there Tesla might be like importing some model Chinese model threes in the US just for testing ahead of the production in the US of uh of the of, of the Highland model tree. But someone got close enough of a, of, of one of those new vehicles. Sorry, last weekend, and they saw that uh, even though they have the Chinese badging, the VIN numbers does show that the vehicle was built in Fremont. <laughs> so this this kind of sneakily uh, trying to hide the fact that they're building all three island in Fremont with that. Um, but if they are, it would would point to a, an imminent launch, I think. But yeah, and so that might also explain why the Model 3 is not in that list just yet. And it's going to be updated with that new rule change and with the updated version of the Model 3 with Ireland at the same time, whenever that comes, hopefully in the next few weeks, months max, like two or three months max, I would say. Yeah, and it's it's good that Tesla is kind of, you know, walking back its its range estimates a little bit. It was getting a little out of hand, a little bit just too optimistic. So, you know, these are going to be a little bit more realistic, although probably still on the optimistic side. Yeah, it's it's roughly a 6% decrease across the board. So you're probably right. It's probably still a little bit optimistic. It depends. Some people were hitting the EP range. It depends how you drive. It depends where you drive, when you drive, at the temperature you drive. Like all, all there's so many different factors. But yeah, in general, people were not hitting it and that will help. Uh, Tesla also had it, uh, the two... Um, colors from berlin to the model y in the u.s so the uh stealth gray and ultra red have now made it to the u.s market so it's been teased a bunch of times these were the colors that were unable by the new newly designed paint shop in berlin and gigafactory berlin i uh, was supposed to come also to the u.s through uh, updated like uh, paint shop in fremont in, in texas so now apparently it is ready because you can order these vehicles in style great. Style great is uh, the one that's included at no cost, so that's that's real nice. 
uh, and the ultra red, uh, it's replaced the midnight silver, obviously, which was pretty close to it. Uh, the ultra red is a $2,000 option like uh, the other colors, but they are, they are real nice, uh, real nice looking colors. I still wish they would do brown and green and yellow and some other interesting yeah. colors besides the very, you know, blue, red, black, white. Sounds like they're bidding more on the rap side of things for the for very variety. Yeah. All right, this is interesting. Uh, Tesla updated is a fairly new API. So for those who don't remember, Tesla for years was operating some kind of un unofficial, undocumented API uh, to get access to everything that you can get access basically to the Tesla app. Uh, so there were third-party apps, but they were unofficial because Tesla hadn't documented an official API. They did that um, last October with an API very much focused on fleet management. So for all the companies that have Tesla fleets, it would make sense to uh, have uh, built, built something for them. And uh, also a lot of Tesla third-party apps that were unofficial were doing that already. So now they can make them officials. Um, but now Tesla has updated this week its API to add, uh, integrate new products. So the Powerwall, its solar products, so solar panels, solar roofs, solar inverters, and all that, and its wall connector home charging station have now all been added to the API. Uh, I think that was a project that Tesla made uh, with Samsung because literally the next day today, uh, Tesla, uh, Samsung and Tesla announced a new partnership on energy connectivity where uh, the Tesla system API is going to work through the, uh, what, what Samsung, Samsung calls their app, the Smart Things Energy app. So it's basically all the Samsung connected appliances and, uh, and smart products can be managed through the app and that can be connected now to the Tesla app. So you can get your Tesla solar, home charger, um, Powerwall data through that app at one place. Um, so it seems to be limited to that right now, but it says this is it's an ongoing partnership with Tesla Energy that there should be updates and new possibility in the future. They said that uh, Tesla Stormwatch, which is something that happened if you're a Powerwall owner, uh, the Stormwatch detects when, they, when there's a risk that there's going to be an outage due to a storm. And then it, uh, it gives you more backup power. It, it focuses on backup power instead of uh, optimizing for... Um, selling it electricity to the grid. So now that those storm watch notification gonna be pushed to your smart TV, Samsung smart TV. Uh, I don't think that's a huge feature. Like if most people have their phone on them, whatever. Like you, you get it. Like you don't need a big like bam, star watch alert on your TV, flash thing for no reason. Like kind of a amber alert situation. But um, they, they, they seem like the, the press release, I'm kind of extrapolating a little bit, but they seem to tease at the fact that you're going to be able also to, uh, they, they have this AI in the uh, smart, uh, smart things energy app from Samsung that going to be able to connect to the Tesla energy app. And when you go on backup power with your power walls, it's going to be able to manage your electricity usage uh, from your Samsung appliances. So. They, they didn't explicitly say what that's going to be like, but it sounds like, for example, you go into backup power and your uh, dryer is running. Well, is your Samsung dryer is running, but it would shut down not to get that power because obviously uh, drying clothes and might not be like a priority if you're losing power or something like that. Uh, so it, it's interesting. It's a, an interesting development. We know that Tesla is going heavily on the software side with their energy division rather than hardware. They're still going strong in hardware with Powerwall and Megapacks and all that, but they're solar-wise, they're kind of scaling back a bit. So it seems like the solar products is the way to go for Tesla in the, in the energy front. All right, we're going to be ready to jump into all the other AV news, AV sales. But before that, we just want to say a quick word about our sponsor this week, which is Upway, a leading online e-bike provider. All right. Today's episode is sponsored by Upway, a leading online e-bike provider carrying the broadest selection of brand new and certified pre-owned models. The team at Upway has compiled a growing selection of top brands like Specialized, Trek, Aventon, and Gazelle, each priced up to 60% off retail to make electric mobility affordable to everyone. Want to sell or trade your current e-bike? Upway manage manages that as well. Each pre-owned e-bike goes through a rigorous inspection, tune-up, and certification by Upway's team of master mechanics and comes with a one-year warranty. 
Following your purchase, Upway will get your e-bike delivered to you 99% assembled with one week within one week and accepts returns within 14 days in case the bike isn't the right fit for you. The process is just easy. Now through January 31st, save up to $1,000 off a wide selection of e-bikes during Upway's winter sale event. Be sure to use promo code ELECTREK, that's all caps, uh, for additional $100 off. Learn more at upway.co slash pages slash electric which is in the show notes a huge thanks to upway for sponsoring um i had an opportunity to visit upway in their uh, new warehouse well it was new at the time in brooklyn um they've got a really interesting uh situation going on there there's just tons of brand new e-bikes um you know some are overstocks from like uh the uh you know, like specialized, some yeah, really, some specialized, really nice like bikes. If you're looking at the screen right now, there's some specialized at pretty good price. <laughs> yeah, really good prices. Yeah. Um, and you know, they they like go through inspection. They, you know, there's like bike techs there, and then they package it up in a box where you basically just have to tighten the uh, uh, handlebars. Oh, and, and that's you. I hate I, I, this, the. Yeah, the e-bike wheels and stuff. mounting experience is like that's the, the, the thing that holds me off the most. Yeah, no, it's, it's yeah, like a great. good product, especially for someone like you that always has like a fleet of e-bikes around. Like, if you want to update one, I'll, I'll send one of them and give me like a little discount for the next one and whatnot. Yeah. yeah. All right. Thank you a lot to Upway for sponsoring this week's episode of the podcast. By the way, if you are listening to the podcast um, and you are a fan, you can give us like a like, a subscribe. You can hit the notification button. All these things take a second to do. And uh, it helps the show more than you can think. Free to do. Take a second. And it helps our visibility. It helps the show. And we appreciate when you do it. So hit that like button right now. It takes a second. And I thank you for it. Uh, all right. Uh, Rivian released their uh, delivery numbers, and uh, it was a bit of a slip for the company. Uh, the uh, stock price uh, got a hit from it, too. Uh, they produced 17,541 vehicles. Again, without splitting the numbers, uh, which is always annoying, but uh, more understandable at that kind of uh, uh, capacity. The, the discrepancy between the production and the deliveries, which were at 13,972, pretty wide, which doesn't probably what didn't help the stock because that means that uh, it's going to be harder to improve on those uh, gross margin, which has been the big story with Rivian all year, trying to improve those gross margin. If you're, not, if you're producing a vehicle and you're not delivering it, it hurts the financials. So it was a little bit short of the 14,000 deliveries, but obviously not that much. So it ends up with an all-year production of 57,232 vehicles and delivered 5,122. So you have like 7,000 vehicle inventory growing, which is obviously not great for a startup. But Rivian doesn't have the kind of uh, delivery infrastructure that Tesla has just yet or Tesla or any other automakers, really. The, and they are sticking to that model of... Uh, delivering direct to customers. And so they have to scale everything themselves. They're not relying on third-party dealership. It is difficult. So we do expect uh, still some some issues at Rivian um, in the next year, two years maybe, especially until they move to the higher volume vehicles, the next generation vehicles, uh, which which are, are, are going to be uh, a lot helpful for, to achieve higher volumes. Yeah, apparently they also had a bunch of um, uh, Amazon vans that were kind of just hanging out because uh, Amazon doesn't take any deliveries during the, the fourth quarter. That's, you know, obviously not a huge amount. You can see the the YouTube there, but... Um, Do we know why, why Amazon doesn't want to take deliveries? Well, they're, they're delivering a lot of stuff, I guess, in Q4 because of the holidays, I guess. Also, they I don't, don't want to make any change to their fleet and whatnot. Uh, yeah, they just yeah, they just have all the delivery vans on full, full blast. Okay. Um, but at the same time, we also it, know that uh, Rivian, Amazon, like authorized Rivian to deliver vans to other people, so they could have taken the, right. the, the opportunity to not sit on them. And but probably that, that that was not that long ago too. So maybe like Rivian's like sales team on the uh, van size is just not ready to sell off that volume to someone else. Yeah, I mean that that all fleet stuff takes forever. Um, you're, you're talking about a lot of you know monthly times, so. Um, and then, you know, there's probably a lot of, uh, R1S and T things just sitting 
sitting around because they just don't have the infrastructure, as you said, to deliver the stuff. They've they've obviously been able to produce and they've they've hit their numbers on production. It's just getting those into owners' hands. They, you know, I think the R one T is actually um, kind of on parity. Like they have, they're making as many as they can sell, but the R one S is still quite a bit behind. I think if you order one now, you're looking at around six months at least, mm-hmm. depending on where you live and, and everything. How about you? When are you uh, expecting uh, your Rivian? Well, it was... Uh, are you going back to Last Cybertruck? I heard, it was like summer of uh, of this year now, since we're in 2024. Um, yeah, so we'll, we'll have to wait and see. You know, they just don't have a service center here in Quebec, so they're not they're, they're not focused on deliveries in Quebec. And then now I'm like more open to the Rivian because uh, the Cybertruck, I'm not so sure anymore. And uh, but at the same time, like we see that we see the Rivian number, and I think I think Tesla is going to catch up to R1T production pretty fast. I think pretty quick. Yeah, because yeah. let's say that uh, they are at a rate right now of like. They're producing more R1S, right, than R1T now. Oh, for sure. So for let's sure. say they add a high best case scenario, like production of six, seven thousand R1T per quarter. Tesla is probably close to that this quarter by the end of this quarter, right? Yeah, I would, I would, I would imagine that yeah. Tesla is going to catch up pretty quickly. Yeah. I wonder how fast they're going to catch up to Ford. Yeah, which is, I think, the next story. <laughs> is it? Good transition. Yeah. Yes, it is. All right. So Ford was very proud. <laughs> the uh, uh, Mr. Jim Farley was uh, putting that out there. He was like, we're the second biggest EV brand in the U.S. It's like, it, it, it's cool. It, it's a cool thing. But like, you're so far behind the first one. That it's like, it's yeah. It, it, it's not like a usual second place. Like you can have a second place that's like, oh, wow, maybe it's gonna be first place next time. Like, nah, <laughs> not, not anytime soon. No, it's not. Uh, so we just talk. Uh, we we don't actually know exactly actually, just yes yet how many Tesla vehicles were delivered in the U.S. last quarter because like Tesla doesn't break right. it down per uh, per market. But it's not close. But it is most likely between one hundred and fifty and two hundred thousand units. I would say. It's in that range, and um, Ford announced that uh, they delivered a record number of twenty five thousand nine hundred and thirty seven electric vehicles in the last quarter of twenty twenty three, which is up twenty four percent quarter over quarter, which is nice. And overall, they delivered seventy two thousand six hundred and eight uh, EVs in twenty twenty three, up eighteen percent year over year. Uh, so. Good performance, uh, not quite what it needed to be, obviously. So uh, the Ford Lightning and Fund 50 was way up. They delivered, uh, so that's what we're talking about here, 11,905 Lightning in Q4 uh, and only 24,000 for the whole year. So like the ramp up was very much in Q4. But they just also increased the price on the Lightning too, so it's going to be harder and harder to sell those. But um uh, it seems to be going pretty well with twelve thousand almost in a quarter. It's not too bad, but it's nowhere near the one hundred and fifty thousand where they were aiming to be. So they were supposed to be at one hundred and fifty thousand by the end of this uh, last year, right? One hundred fifty. Yeah, that's what they were. They're, which they're not going to get to unless they double. Uh, yeah, 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 yeah. Because and the overall was just well. I mean, that was the production rate they were aiming to exit the year at. Uh, so, right. So it's not it's, it's not exactly the twenty four thousand is not representative of that, um, but still we, there, there are twenty five thousand electric pickup trucks sold in the U, in Lightning electric pickup trucks sold in the US in twenty twenty three. It was pretty cool. Uh, now the company. you think Rivian can catch Ford Ford in twenty twenty four? I mean, we just talked about Rivian. They they hit fifty thousand this year. And yeah. they've been doubling year over year. Yeah, so yeah. theoretically, they'd get to a hundred. Yeah, I, th- I think Tesla is the best-selling electric pickup truck in twenty twenty-four. I think. Okay. In the U.S., I think it would make sense, unless unless Ford like just really ramps up, but <laughs> I don't see it. Uh, Mustang is still the the biggest mover for Mustang Mikey. Obviously, I'm talking about here uh, the biggest movers for EVs for Ford. Second best selling electric SUV in the U.S. But again, 
way far behind of LOI at 40,771 units last year, uh, last year. So that's the whole year. 40. So the, the two big vehicle program for, for Ford are the Lightning and the Mackie, and they were respectively at 24,000 and 40,000 units last year. Uh, the E-Transit is the third uh, vehicle in the lineup, and it's has uh, 7,672 units. Also a big 18% year-over-year change, but the, the, the van improved a lot the last year, so... I would I would have assumed that. Pretty cool. And they actually break out numbers pretty well there. Oh well that that's the pricing on the on the on the yeah. But they do, yeah, yeah. If you want to go on my Twitter, I, I posted like a Tesla sales report versus a Ford sales report and it's night and day. Even if you just pick the electric vehicles in the Ford report, which obviously in much lower lumber, but it's still better detailed than Tesla's. All right, uh, moving from Ford, uh, GM's numbers. GM is kind of in a transitional period in EVs. It's not, it's not pretty, uh, but still, uh, the, the, the sold in Q4, 19,469 EVs. So it's a decrease from quarter to quarter. Uh, last quarter. No, a small decrease. Yeah, small decrease from the last quarter. That was just over 20,000 units. Uh, but an increase over Q4 from last year at, 20, uh, at the, that was just 16,000 units. Um, so what did the move here? Obviously, the Bolt is still the, the leader. Uh, where's the Bolt? Chevy Bolt uh, at 15,000. No, 12,551 units in Q4, down from Q3. Really? Down from Q3? Why would it be down from Q3? They stopped making them, I guess. I don't know. But no, but they were still making them throughout the whole quarter. Almost the whole. Most of the quarter, yeah. Uh, anyway, the Bolt is out of production now. So this was this last big quarter at 12,000 units. And now... They still have a few, obviously. They still have some in inventory, but they, it's gonna it's gonna go away pretty quickly. Like especially, it still has access to the tax credit and all that, so it's 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 pretty cheap. They're gonna they're gonna go uh, away pretty quickly, in my opinion. Uh, so now they're gonna rely entirely on the Altium EVs to go, and that's a, a lot harder. So the Hummer is doing like fairly well for what it is like it's a super expensive super big super obnoxious vehicle and uh it, it sold 2028 units in q4 up from 1167 in q3 and up from 72 in q4 last year so obviously a huge ramp up uh lyric also doing pretty well at 3820 units i mean pretty well the, the lyric could do better than that um up from up about 700 units from the quarter before that, and obviously 86 last year. There was it was nothing last year, uh, so but still, like you're talking about your two biggest like Altium program right now with with the bolt going away, it's them, and it, we're, we're talking about 2,000 units a quarter program, almost 4,000 units a quarter program from Lyric. It needs to grow. It needs to grow bad and fast. Uh, because without the bolt, they're going to slow down to a crawl. Well, you can almost say it's a crawl already at 19,000 units a quarter uh, overall for EVs. The rest, uh, you have the Blazer, which we know is not really ramp up just yet. So it's only 463 units. Uh, Silverado EV, only the work truck is available. So it's more commercial deliveries, only 443. So also that's going to be something this year. And the Equinox EV was delayed launching this year. So uh, nothing on that front. So. GM, uh, it's gonna the Q1 of GM is gonna be interesting without the bolt. Well, again, some bolt deliveries, but not much. And if if those programs don't ramp up and them, it's gonna look like the Mister All In GM. Uh, not gonna yeah much All In on EVs. Yeah, theoretically, the Equinox should help, but that's also delayed and slow and more expensive than it was supposed to be, and everything that seems to be plaguing Altium. Yeah. I I used to be like, GM is going to definitely survive the, the transition, but now I'm like, I'm not so sure. I'm not so sure. Like, if- Yeah, they just can't, they can't execute. It's just weird. It's, uh, I mean, they, they're selling tons of cars, but they're all gas cars and just not, Yeah, they just can't make a, a good electric vehicle. 
And the only thing that gives yeah. me a little bit of hope is Mary Barra seemed to be like completely delusional about it for most the most part. And then at the end of last year, she kind of like admitted it. Like she's like, yeah, we didn't execute too well on the EV side of things. So at least like she she knows. It seems like I would I, like if that if that's what she says publicly, you can you can imagine that privately and with the team, she she's a little bit harsher with it. I would assume so. I would hope so, uh, because. This is just not a great look for like, hey, we are all in on EVs and you're, you're delivering like Tesla delivers that in three days in the US. Like it makes no, like they deliver what they do in a quarter in like three days. Makes no sense. All right. Yeah. Uh, Hyundai, we have uh, the Hyundai result, which is, uh, you know, Hyundai is one of the bigger players in the, the foreign automakers in the US in the EV space. In the US, they delivered a record number of um uh, what's the quarterly number okay uh, okay no, those, oh yeah okay those are the are the the quarterly numbers it's uh that's just the ionic five what's the total uh they i guess they broke it out you have to add those two yeah sorry you get the ionic five and the ionic six they're not they're not doing the uh the regular ionic anymore and where what about the kona yeah, they don't even have the corner in there. Anyway, let's do it uh, specifically the Iconic 5. So its uh, sales rose, uh, rose 92% in Q4 to 8,612 units. I see. I don't know about you in the US, but in Quebec, I see a lot of Iconic 5. Yep, same. Um, I mean, they're, they're, they're an obvious car to see. Like, it's a very standout kind fair. of car. But, but uh, I do see a lot of those as well. Yeah. Uh, that's th- almost just short of 34,000 Ionic 5s in 2023. That's a decent amount. Um, 48% growth over 2022. So, uh, yeah, I think the 5 has room to grow in the U.S. Like It could could, could be like a 50,000 uh, units a year program, which is not too bad for a single market. So, Ionic 5, Ionic 6, yeah. sorry, uh, a little bit behind. 4,601 units in Q4 for the total of just short of 13,000 units in 2023. So not too bad. Um, uh, so yeah, so that, that makes it for a total of uh, 47,000 vehicles delivered in, in Q, uh, EVs delivered in the US in 2023. So they are the second biggest uh the, uh, other than Tesla, like it's Tesla, Ford, and Hyundai, I think. Yeah, and I wonder if you can. I mean, you know, Ford obviously has a couple of sub brands under it. I wonder if you can kind of combine Hyundai and Kia because they're kind of the same company. Yeah, did we? I don't, I mean, I don't they, think they we share the, the Kia platform numbers. Stuff? Yeah, I, I saw a, a uh, EV9 at the bottom of that post. Oh. I don't know if that was. Maybe I missed it. There were so many like sales posts this week to include in the podcast. Uh, one thousand over a thousand units just in December for the EV9 and the EV6. So, so eighteen thousand eight hundred seventy-nine EV6 in uh, twenty twenty-three. So the EV6 is way behind the Ionic Five, which would be the most comparative vehicle, I would guess. Yeah. But uh, and EV9, you cannot go f- really the full year. It doesn't mean much because the EV9 came like l- later in the year. But still, a thousand units just in December is not bad at all for a late launch, too. Not at all. All right, a few more posts to discuss, and then we're going to jump into you guys' comment section. So I see there's a lot of you watching lives right now, and I appreciate it a lot. If you have a question for us, you can put it in the comment section right now. We're going to get to it in just a few minutes. It can be a question about a story that we discussed today, about the EV sales in 2023, about 2024, or any topic in the EV space you want to discuss. And if you do enjoy the show, if you can give us a like and a subscribe and a share right now, anything it's free to do. Takes a second, only if you enjoy it, of course, and um, we appreciate it when you do. All right, so we have a new, officially a new global leader in battery electric vehicle now worldwide, and it is BYD. Uh, so don't laugh anymore, Elon Musk, because this <laughs> is. Uh, I mean, we we, we joke because I think he, I think he's been taking BYD serious now for a few years, but he used to laugh about it. We have the interview here. Weren't, weren't, isn't Tesla even using BYD Blade? Uh, yeah, 
batteries. That's and, true. It's now so. it's now more of a partner than anything else. But you you might actually have seen like a variation of that headline before because in terms of EV, like it depends what you consider EV. So obviously at Electric we focus almost entirely on BEV. We do go into plug-in hybrids sometimes when we, we think they're worth it, when they have an off-range and all that. Uh, but for the most part, we focus on BEVs. And BYD also still does a lot of plug-ins. Though. So there's a lot of plug-ins in the lineup, but they've been focusing a lot on battery electric, on fully pure electric vehicles. And for the first time last quarter in Q4 2023, BYD sold more purely electric vehicles than than Tesla. If you had their plug-in hybrids, they are way above Tesla. Now, I think they sold 3 million EVs last year. Tesla sold 1.8. But overall, in the whole year, they sold 1.6 million BEVs versus, again, 1.8 for Tesla. Tesla only sells BEVs. Uh, But in Q4, BYD sold 526,000 all-electric vehicles compared to Tesla's 484,000. So for the first time, BYD is the biggest global seller of all-electric vehicles. Now, this is just a quarter, but I don't think this is a trend that's going to change. I think BYD is just is going to take over on that front. And it's kind of to be expected because BYD has a much deeper lineup. And it, it, it kind of went different ways, really. Tesla went up market first and then started going down market, but it's still like now limited to Model 3, Model Y down market. The next generation vehicle is going to be the one that's going to bring uh, Tesla to much higher volume, obviously, because they're going to go even cheaper. BYD started really cheap, uh, mainly focusing on commercial vehicles, and then went to uh, consumer vehicles and still kept in the in the in the cheaper in the lower part of the market. And now, more recently, has been going up market with with um, more expensive vehicles, uh, and they are even now entering the European market with with uh, those those vehicles. But uh, still, their biggest seller is cheaper vehicle, cheaper EVs in their home market of China. And it makes sense, obviously, because China has like 1.3 billion people and the US Tesla's home home market has like 300 something million. So like uh, Jamie said, uh, so you cannot under you, you cannot underestimate the Chinese market because they could there could be literally a bill and I don't hope that obviously, but there could be a billion people that die in China overnight. And there will still be more people in China than in the US, which is wild. Yeah, it is wild. But big congrats to BYD. And, I mean, uh, I've been I've been meaning to go to China and, and, and uh like look them up directly there and, and and see that. That would be interesting. So maybe this year I'll So they're still like partially owned by Berkshire Hathaway, right? Yeah, they reduced their that, stake they, in they, it, but I still I think certainly they are amongst the, the biggest the biggest owner. I mean, I would assume that the Chinese government mm-hmm. is still the biggest. <laughs> they, right. they do uh, like to own their business there. The nationalists is a, is a real thing there. Um, so that that makes us still like what Tesla interesting because Tesla in China they are popular, obviously nowhere near BYD, but they do own it completely. They do own the Chinese business completely, which is kind of interesting. Most of the automakers don't have access to that. All right, we got the big price on date. Uh, moving on from the, all the uh, sales uh, result, we got a price update that I just briefly mentioned about the um, 2024 F-150 Lightning. Uh, do we have a nice chart in there? We do have a nice chart here. So the pro pricing uh, is now $5,000 more expensive. So it starts at $55,000 instead of $50,000 for the base version. That's the pro with 240 miles of EPA estimated range. And then you can go to the XLT for that. And instead of being, uh, well, it's still, instead of, no, it's instead of being just $7,500 more at $57,500, it's now $65,000. So it's uh, $10,000 more than the pro version. Interesting, even for the same range. And we don't, have a not a price or maybe they, they don't no, i think they don't sell the extended range pack on the xlt version anymore i think that's why it's not here doesn't it doesn't look like it yeah i think the sweet spot is the that new flash uh setup yeah the, the flash uh now is uh yeah it's a little bit the, the price increase is not as big with uh, three thousand five hundred dollar more now starting at seventy three thousand five hundred and you do get the extended battery pack with 320 miles of range so yeah i think you're right that's a that's a sweet deal 
But then you have price decrease if you want to go all in and get the fully equipped Platinum or even the Platinum Black version of the Lightning with the excellent battery pack, but with the bigger wheels and all that, the range is not 320, but 300 miles. Um, they got a $5,000 decrease at $85,000 and uh, $93,000 for the Black version. If you want the Lariat, which is like a nice compromise between the two, uh, still they're, they're not going back to saying the small batch pack on it. So you have to have the big one with 320 miles of range. And that's $2,000 more expensive at $80,000. So yeah, I think you're right. Like if you want to go long range, which is useful for that, if you, if you specifically are using it as a work truck and everything, and if you plan to tow anything with it, you, you would want the bigger batch pack. And uh, now the flash is this seventy-three thousand five hundred option, and if you want the more luxurious option, you go eighty thousand dollars. I've also seen that uh, a lot of Ford uh, dealers, and this is probably coming from the company, are offering like big-time uh, sales incentives, like up to ten thousand dollars sometimes, uh, on top of you know these price changes. So I think one of the ideas that Ford had was like, hey. Let's take the pricing ability away from the dealers. We'll, you know, raise the prices or keep prices ah. a little bit higher, higher, and then the dealers can't, you know, jack up prices, and and Ford can actually lower the prices. So that might be what the, what's happening here. Mm-hmm. Yeah, that makes sense. All right. Um, yeah, on the bad news trend. There's a report. It's not confirmed yet, but it's a report coming from Germany from Automotor Hunt Smarts that the highly anticipated the VW, now they call it the ID2 All. So it's the, the least expensive, like the $25,000 Volkswagen that's uh, supposed to come uh, in 2025. Might have been delayed in 2026. And uh, the report states that that's due to uh, the Euro 6 emission limit for cars being uh, more relaxed than the uh, uh, originally intended, originally planned. So it looks like Volkswagen is going to take advantage of that and push the uh, ID2 all a little bit. That's that's according to Auto Motor and Sports at least. So that would be very disappointing. Obviously, even if the if if the new regulation allows them to, doesn't mean that they have to do it. Doesn't mean that they should do it. I think uh, we need that car as soon as possible, and probably Volkswagen needs that car as soon as possible too. Because I don't know if you've seen their stock price, but it. I haven't been doing great lately. Yeah, not at all. And it's it's funny that they would just slow down the the rollout of that. Like that would be a good reason to do so. Yeah, I, it doesn't make any sense to me. Like you, they need to get some. They need to hit some home runs, and the, they're just they're kind of making bad decisions left and right. Yeah, I agree. All right, last piece of news before we jump into you guys' comment section. So hit the comment section. We're gonna get to it in a second. Hit the like button too while you had it. Um, so Fisker announced that they are pivoting to a hybrid strategy. So they are moving away with their Zurich Cells model. Well, there is still apparently it's going to be a hybrid system, so Zurich Cells, and they are looking for dealer partners. So there have been issues ramping up a little bit, like we talked about with Rivian, a little bit uh, in, in smaller volumes, obviously, but still a similar problem. So they uh, they announced this week, uh, Mr. Henrik Fisker said, as we uh, saw throughout 2020, the EV market has changed drastically. Uh, as a high-growth startup, Fisker is trans- transforming a strategy effort by putting in place the brand accessibility and sales channels required to satisfy increasing demand for the Fisker Ocean and to prepare for launch of additional future models. As a result, we are evolving our business model and intend to add as many as 50 dealer partners in the U.S. and Canada, a similar number of dealer locations in Europe this year. In um, in keeping with our asset light strategy, I expect the dealer partnership model should enable Fisker to expand its sales and delivery network at a faster pace. Obviously, it will uh, expand the network if you just sign contracts with existing dealers. Uh, is it for the better, though? Uh, we don't know. I mean, I, to me, it's not that big of a deal with Fisker because Fisker was already like partnering with other companies for service and all that. So it's not it's not like they were like, fully uh, brick and mortar like Tesla, Rivian, and Lucid or, or anything. But um, so it might, it, it, I, I, I like it because I, I like that. Let, give it a shot, Fisker. Let's see. Let, let's see if it can work. Like if it, if it works, it might be an option. Uh, it might be an option, especially amid like a, a weird transition now where we have two, they used to be, you only had the dealer franchise dealership models. Uh, now you have the dealership models and you have the direct sales model that is, 
becoming more popular with Tesla, Rivian, and, and Lucid. Uh, so now with the hybrid model, like let's see if it works, and maybe it's a compromise that uh, that, that can work. I saw I saw a question in the uh, in the comment section already about the Fisker. So Colin San Diego says Fisker announced that they will actually work with the with dealers. News was news was confusing. Are they uh, are they adding? Uh, are the additions to say as a traditional dealership like Toyota Fisker or Chevrolet Fisker? Yeah, so uh, possibly, uh, Carl, like it could be a solution. So it, it completely depends on what kind of contract, obviously, the dealers have. Uh, so who is Fisker is going to go after exactly? But, you know, like a, a dealership is not married to a brand like a lot of the times when you go to the those section of towns where you have a bunch of different dealers there and look at the buildings sometimes like the buildings are similar even though like you have a nissan building and you have like a ford building well it can be the same owner sometimes like they just own they just build those buildings like that and they get a deal with nissan get a deal with ford whatever but it's the same owners behind so if they can okay well, let's build a little shop in between those two properties and and make a deal with fisker or something like that so Things that are going to happen if if uh, the dealers see value in adding the, the Fisker brand to their to their assets. So we'll we'll see how it goes. I, I'm curious to see uh, um, when they do make those deals. Maybe we can reach out to some of those new dealers and, and see how uh, how how these hybrid models work for them. That'd be an interesting story, I think. All right, let's jump into you guys' comments. All right. I haven't heard of this, but uh, Jean-Michel Belanger says, uh, any news about Dubuc Motors? Did you hear about any chance of revival of that company? I haven't. That that thing, I think, is uh, is dead. Like, it was maybe a chance, like, way back when they first announced it, but I haven't heard from them in a long time. And I think now, like, any kind of technology and design they had is just way, way past the... Like the industry is like has passed that by a lot. All right, we got a hello from uh, Diego in Argentina. Appreciate it. Uh, question: As a new uh, real-wheel drive Model Y owner trying to take best care of the battery, how do you recommend to charge the battery without knowing if it is LFP or not? Well, I mean, just apparently it's not. Tesla that's what we were takes we care were, of that stuff. Yeah, apparently it's not. So that's what we were told. Uh, so yeah, they, they follow Tesla's indication of uh, charging up to eighty percent, but at the same time, like it's not uh, written in stone. Like, I, like don't don't make your life more difficult because of it. Like, if you need it to be ninety percent because it makes your commute easier or something, like that do that. If you need it to be one hundred percent, do that too. Like it's, um, but if you can not keep it charged one hundred percent for too long, and if you can limit the charge to 80%, it doesn't affect your, your day-to-day driving, do it. It will, it will help the battery a little bit. Not that much. Yeah. Um, moving on. Happy kid. Uh, yes, just like gas cars, the tank is built for 300 miles, but usually gets more. I uh, don't know if that's just like gas cars. but uh, For years, we've heard the EV community say nobody gets what the EPA says you'll get, but that was largely based on the experience with Tesla range inflation instead of recognizing the worst offenders. So, yeah, uh, when Tesla gets dialed back a little bit. Yeah, overall, he's right. That, like, if will... 80% of the market is an offender and like being super optimistic with the range, it does tend to spread to the entire EV industry. But you're right. Like The, the Bolt EV always have got great range in the Bolt, so... Yeah, I would always get something similar to what um, they 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 uh, stated. Advertise, yeah. All right, Curtis Biggs from Twitter says, if this was a change in methodology by the EPA, shouldn't all manufacturers have similar D rates? They, they, well, not not necessarily because some might have already taken into account of that, and with their mold supplier being lower, so that they might not have to change it. Um, Maybe they will, though. Maybe some will. Uh, we'll keep an eye on that. But yeah, uh, Tesla was obviously like Tesla was pushing it so much that like a little change like that, they had to change it. Uh, although automakers might not need to, we'll, we'll see. And also, like I, I said about the testing, it depends with, with the new model year and all that. So that, that that can affect. Yeah, we might we might see some stuff coming down mm-hmm. later. Uh, Carl in San Diego back. Uh, color choice seems like a no-brainer to breathe new life into the Model Three sales. Missing an opportunity. I think the Highland would would also be breathe new life into the Model Three sales. Yeah, I don't think the um, new colors but, on on the Model Three. I think it's just the Model Y. Probably will yeah. will come though with but the I think, Highland. I would assume. Yeah. 
and I I do think more colors would be a really I like I can't it can't cost that much it can't and it can't make that it can't be that complex to add a few more colors and I know wrapping is is kind of an easy way to fix that but I still think a few more colors like a nice green would be really good they could bring back the brown you know all right uh has anyone shown Tesla power sharing with Cybertruck or is it a feature that they didn't deliver with launch. I haven't seen it. Have you? Yeah, no, I don't think they have the uh, installation on the home side just yet. Um, but I've seen people receiving like a, a survey email from Tesla. So with the founder series, it is included. The hardware is included. So they just they just haven't delivered that yet. So they started sending surveys for people to explain like what's going on with their homes. Uh, so, so that Tesla can probably find some early adopters that fit the best uh, use case for 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 power share so I, I would assume that it's coming relatively soon uh kyle o said i think he means out of spec kyle i don't know uh said cyber trucks don't have functioning autopilot and assume fsd even though foundation edition makes you pay for fsd and advanced autopilot any news on that yeah elon uh, said this heard. week that Cybertruck is the lowest priority for FSD and uh, so yeah, they haven't adapted the entire uh, software stack to the different requirement of, of Cybertruck because of the different positioning of the cameras and all that. So yeah, it, it is an issue if you're a fan of autopilot then uh, FSD um, driving the Cybertruck might be a little bit frustrating for you. Yeah, for sure. Uh, so here's the question on everybody's mind: Any idea how many Cybertrucks have been delivered so far? Yeah, I would. I wish Tesla would be more transparent on that. Uh, they're not, so we have no clue. If you had to guess, I, I guess I would be today. like a thousand, maybe. And that's mostly to employees. You would mostly say? to employees, and then uh, a few to non-employees, obviously, too, like a few hundred, maybe. There's quite a few okay. out there. There's some out there on Turo already. You can get one on Turo if you want. Maybe we should do that. Yeah, I don't are know if there are some. In, are there I any in still Vermont, in California, and uh, <laughs> Texas? But yeah. Right. Yeah, that makes sense. All right. Uh, moving on. Question. Fisker announced they will actually work with dealers. Oh, we talked about this. Mm, yeah, I already answered um, that one. We can... Question. Do you think the first Tesla Roadster will be delivered to a customer before or after January 1st, 2026? Oh, my God. That's about two years from now. <laughs> yeah. They put the date pretty far. Like, I would assume so that far. Like, January 26th is two years from now. Uh, Elon said 2024 last time he said anything, so that's this year. Obviously, I'm not holding my breath for that because he said that before. So I'm I'm hoping 2025, but uh, so yes, my answer would be yes to that. But uh, I don't know. I have no clue. Yeah. All right, Rivian will suck at selling to the masses without dealerships or service. I, I mean, they they have their own. You know, dealer. You just need they're not more dealerships. Of them. They're just service centers. Yeah, yeah, and it's weird that uh, Rivian can't scale that. It seems like not a hard thing to scale, like versus you know building more vehicles. But they, it, it just isn't happening. I yeah, mean, I mean, hiring people is hard cars. these days, or at least good people. Yeah. Uh, so right. just just that alone, and then you you know you need a lot of things need to come together. You need to find a, a suitable place. Um, and then they're competing against Tesla, against Lucid, against all the other people that are trying to open those places. So they're finding the right one. I'm right. sure it's not that easy. And then you have to uh, outfit it with all the equipment and all that. It's, uh, I mean, new location is the number one thing. And then having the employees to delivers and to deliver and service their cars too. It's it's not easy. All right. We kind of talked about this last time. Uh, Eric Williams says, question, how about some 2024 predictions for the EV market? Um, I don't know if you should we rehash or we should just move on. Yeah, I mean, we talked to if you if you want to go Eric and see the last podcast we we discussed mostly that last time. But I mean, a lot more growth, uh, maybe uh, a few players going away because the market is very difficult and uh, um, hopefully inflation uh, the, the the interest rates uh, is, is stabilized down a little bit makes the market a little bit easier. Uh, and and there's always like the, there's the FSD wildcard. Like if Tesla was to somehow pull out FSD, that would be that would be wild. That would change the market a lot. That would be a wild card. I, did you uh, speaking of Elon? Did you um, I listened to the space he had with the Peter Diamantis? 
No. Uh, so that was like Wednesday night, I think. Uh, I listened to the whole thing, <laughs> and uh, Elon seems like the most, the best it's been in a long time I've heard him talk. He made a ton of sense. Oh, yeah. He, um, he was stuttering a lot, but like that's that's old school Elon, really. <laughs> but right. uh, other than that, like he made a ton of sense. He, he didn't go wild with his, his answers and like that other than always the he's preaching I mean it's not wild he's preaching to people to make babies and all that it's not it's not that wild of an idea I guess because uh, there are, are some concerns with the birth rates in, in countries in specific countries uh, but other than that idea that he keeps pushing all the time like telling people that they should make babies uh, it was like the most normal it's been for a while talked a lot about with Peter Damantis talked a lot about carbon capture obviously because of uh, he has he financed the was it the the moonshot thing that he has Damantis like they gave a hundred million dollars oh, to right. try to to bolster project that do carbon capture talked a lot about just the energy storage space and the EV space and he was very optimistic. Well, the talk was supposed to be optimistic because it was the about the age of abundance and all that. And he was a little bit more uh, nuanced and, and uh, not too pessimistic about AI. He says there was he says there was an eighty to twenty there was an eighty percent chance that AI would be good and just a twenty percent chance that we would be not good. But obviously if it's not good, it's a lot not good. It's really not good. <laughs> it's very bad. Yeah, if you had a twenty percent chance to uh, destroy the Earth, like that's not a good. Yeah, that's not a but good, at the uh, same time, like there's no stopping ratio. it. Like you, you won't stop the AI development. It's just impossible at this point. Right. All right, we're gonna move fast since we're over time mm-hmm. a little bit. Uh, any guess when Tesla will have auto park and summon to vision only cars? Uh, I mean, they just released the bird's eye view thing for the summon only uh, for for the vision only cars. Uh, which is a plus that you don't even have in the ultrasonic cars. Uh, so I, I think we, we might be close. Um, I think that would make sense yeah, if it's close. I agree. It, it could happen any Because now you know, they, they, basically, they basically build software, the, software. The, they build the vision system that you need for parking in the uh, with the vision only. So now they just need to probably deploy that... Uh, uh, V12 FSD uh, neural nets end-to-end system to the parking system, and then you, you have it, basically. Um, so we're probably pretty close to it. I think all the puzzle, all the pieces of the puzzles are coming together now. All right. Uh, converting EV uh, ice buses to be EV, I don't know any offhand. Do you? Uh, no, but it does exist. Uh, I don't know how often either, but I've heard about it. It does exist. You can You can do that. There's companies that offer. Uh, here's a good question. Uh, would you rather o- own a Kia EV9 or a Rivian R1S and why? Well, you're an R1S so, owner, you know, so you should take that one. Yeah, so I, I think I'm happy with my R1S. Um, I just think it's going to be better off-road. I think, you know, Kia is made for road driving. You know, you can go off-road every once in a while. Um, a little bit better acceleration or a lot better acceleration in the R1S. Um, the one thing I... You know, it, it's kind of bugging me is the um, the stereo in the R1S is not amazing. Um, it, it, and, you know, the, the ones that we drove, um, you know, when they we were testing them were Meridian, um, you know, a top, top, top end. And they went with their own thing. And it really, when, when it, uh, Rivian had their own stereos come out first, they were like, you know, this is beta. We're going to update the hardware and, or the software and it's going to get better. And they really haven't done that. And, and you know, like when I'm playing music that I love, I just don't like it in the Rivian. So it's great for podcasts, I guess. Mm. So, you know, for music, I if you're a music person, maybe the EV9 is better. I don't know. Uh, any predictions on, about the expansion of the charging network in 2024, especially for non-Tesla superchargers? Oh, uh, so that's going to be tough. So what I'm hearing things, again, I'm hearing things about charging companies right now that, especially those that are big in the North American market. Uh, so I, I don't know if your question is about North American market, but we were more focused on North American market here. And it's not good. Like the, the next transition, Tesla's overwhelming dominance on the market has made it very hard for them. So 
it might be difficult for non-Tesla supercharger. Obviously, in 2024 and uh, 2025, there's, there's going to be a transition where non-Tesla EVs are going to be able to charge on the supercharger market. So this is a plus for everyone, well, especially for non-Tesla EVs, because it's going to give you access to a lot more chargers. Now, if you're talking, the question seems to be more about the deployment of non-Tesla supercharger, non-Tesla chargers, really. Uh, that might go... That's probably still going to go up, but I think there's going to be a few players that are going to fall off and uh, that might slow down a little bit. But I think overall it's still up, I would assume. But I think Tesla is going to deploy more superchargers than uh, any other companies put together, probably. Uh, did we talk about Cybertruck range? Any, any, you know, we talked about the uh, 254 miles. Yeah, I wouldn't go into too much um, details. I mean, I, I would expect all the spec is supposed to release a video, like in more details about that. Like they just released a live stream, which made it sound like uh, it got 254 miles of range, which obviously not great because the car is supposed to get 320. But they only drove in the highway, only drove at 70 miles per hour, which is not excessive of a speed too. So yeah, it can be a little bit disappointing. Colder climate a little bit. What I think it was like 40 something, like eight, I think I remember it was eight Celsius. So, eight Celsius is not too bad, honestly. Like, it's like minus eight here right now. Uh, so, I would be uh, concerned about the capacity of the cyber truck in uh, freezing temperature right now. That's the only take out from it. But, you know, if you're only driving at highway speed, uh, a 20% range loss over the EPA estimated range is not too bad either like it's it's about what i would expect it's just the temperature thing i would like to have like another the same test but like at freezing temperature to see the difference because now that would be a little bit more of a concern because i think it could go down to like there's a big difference when you drive at eight celsius and minus eight celsius like it can be literally just that can be a 20 percent difference so now if you get below like 200 and like 10 miles of range that's that's fun yeah, had towing to that. And then All right, uh, this this would be like almost a post in itself. Michigan, Illinois, and Minnesota have all passed EV net zero laws recently. In your opinion, which one of these states has passed the best EV policies? Yeah, maybe we'll we'll write a post about that because there's a lot of nuance yeah, to that. Maybe maybe that's a Jamie um, post. Uh, Jamie like always like follows all that stuff. I'm not close enough to like the specific policies to know. Yeah. All right, last question. Sandy Monroe predicted in a recent video that Lucid will go bust by the end of 2024. Do you guys agree? It depends I mean, what you mean by going bust, maybe. like, as I think the Saudis could still keep backing the company and don't go bankrupt. But right. maybe Lucid goes private in 2024. <laughs> maybe something like that. Because I don't think the public market, I don't think the public market right now is geared for EV startup. It's just, I don't think it's, I think a lot of EV startup yep. went public at a time that was just not ideal. Lucid is one of them. Fisker is yeah. one of them. Uh, Tiger is one of them. Uh, there's a lot, a lot of companies like that. Uh, uh, what's the other one? Mullen, Mullen Automotive has seen this stock oh, destroy. Yeah. They're like, we have $200 million in order right now and we're in production and our stock is crashing and what's happening? Like, they also partner with a, a con artist that <laughs> went to prison and like stole that them, like a, a bad battery technology that was completely made up. But <laughs> so they, you, you win some and you lose some. All right. That's right. it for us this week, everyone. I appreciate everyone of you that listened to the show this week. Uh, thanks you for uh, being a supporter of the Electric Podcast. If you give us a like, a subscribe, it helps us show a ton. If you're on the podcast app right now and you give us a five-star review, that boosts the show a ton. It's free to do. It takes a second, and we appreciate every single one of you that does it. We're going to see you same place, same time next week. Have a safe one. Bye-bye. <laughs>